Thank you for tuning in to the You Own the Experience podcast. This week's episode is a replay of our webinar where we discuss the future of sales and marketing. Join Adam Conrad of Great Recruiters, Darren Westall of Pager, and Jack Copeland of Staffing Future as we discuss how your competition is now national or global and not only regional, the importance of internal culture and its downstream effect on your brand, and how your recruiters' personal brands are more important than ever. The webinar and this episode are brought to you by Able and Great Recruiters. Please remember to rate, review, and share the episode wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to ableteams.com slash podcast. First and foremost, thank you guys for jumping on. My name is Rob Mann. I am the host of the You Own the Experience podcast with my co-host Lauren Jones, who is not with us today. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is the future of sales and marketing. Uh, before we do that, a couple of housekeeping things. Number one, this platform, Crowdcast, will store the recording. And so you can come back here on demand whenever you want to watch it. We are going to send out an email that's timestamped over different topics. And I'm going to post the topics in the chat in a second and go over those with you. Uh, and then I am going to save about 10 minutes for Q&A at the end. So if you have any questions, throw them into the chat or there's an ask a, a question button on the bottom. Sponsors, thank you so much to Able for always sponsoring the Own the Experience podcast and for Adam Conrad and giving me time to do these as he's my current employer over at Great Recruiters. And also, if you see on the bottom, there's a button that says subscribe and let me know if it's not working because I tested it, it should be. I should take you to the You Own the Experience podcast page on the Able Teams website. At the end of the month, we're gonna give away five $100 donations to any new subscribers in the month of May. Uh, and that's going to be a hundred dollars to any charity that you choose. So we'll be able, we'll make a big announcement. We'll let everyone know where you sent the money, and we decided that that's probably the best way to uh, support the community and also support the podcast. Finally, intros. So I got some really great experts in, in the staffing and recruiting space. Jack literally grew up and was born into a staffing firm. I think he was actually <laughs> born in the office of the staffing firm. But I'm gonna let these guys give a quick intro about themselves and their background. And then we'll get started into the topic. I'm going to post the topics as we do it. So thank you. So here we go. So Adam, Adam, go first. Yeah, sure. Adam Conrad, founder, CXO of Great Recruiters. Just a little background on myself. I've been in the staffing industry for about 20 years. Started, I wasn't born in a staffing company like uh, like Jack was, but it was it was very early in my in my career. I started in recruiting, IT professional staffing, and moved into management roles, uh, recruiting management, and oversaw operations for a mid-sized staffing firm. So always have been a uh, big advocate of tying technology to people and processes and using efficiently to help growth. So just excited to talk with these gentlemen about uh, sales and recruiting in our in our new world. And, and by the way, every time I talk, I talk or I have Jack on a podcast or a webinar, I add to the myth of Jack. Uh, so it's an ongoing legacy and a story that we're building about Jack in the industry, which is why he was Highly on accurate. the floor of like born on the staffing firm floor. All right, Jack, go ahead. You're in the bullpen. Squeaky wheel gets the word. Go ahead. Yeah, so I've been in the industry about 16, 17 years, maybe longer than that now. Started with my parents. Well, my parents owned a staffing company where I worked for for a long time. Then I ended up working with a company called Mex, 16, and went into Broadbean at 18 where I met Darren. And then basically have been in and around staffing and staffing technology ever since. Spent most of my time at Broadbean and Career Builder. Worked a little bit with Hearfish doing some consulting where I met you, Rob, and, and Adam. And I've been in the industry ever since. And uh, now I'm a co-founder of a company called Staffing Future, 
that provides uh, websites and technology services for staffing companies. Excellent. And, and Darren? So Jack moved halfway across the world, still can't get away from me online. That's the, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, so I've been in the recruitment industry now for oh, 13 years, um, and 10 of those were spent at Broadbean working with Jack. But I was uh, I was a developer. I wasn't in sales and marketing. This is, uh, this is part of my new journey. So I started off as a junior developer straight out of college, but ended my career as their chief technology officer two and a half years ago to co-found Pager. And where I'm now the CEO, and we are a marketing platform for recruitment agencies. It's been a crazy couple of years, to be honest with you. I handed my notice in, and then a week later, found out my wife was three months pregnant. She says, You've got six months to make the business work. So I quickly learned sales and marketing, and uh, yeah, it's been an absolute whirlwind since then. Enjoyed every minute. Awesome. And, and so, as you guys can tell, Jack literally was born into the staffing industry. So I wasn't exaggerating, and it wasn't hyperbole. Uh, okay. <laughs> So what is the goal today? So the goal today is to, to talk about the topics that I just threw in the chat as they pertain to sales and marketing. So some of the things that these that we've been hearing is uh, that you're now competing across a national uh, focus, whether it's in the UK or in the US, right? You're not competing just regionally anymore. Uh, so how is that affecting sales and marketing? Uh, if you haven't if you haven't been on LinkedIn and you haven't seen something about personal branding, you're living under a rock, but that's getting more and more important. And also having consistent messaging across your, so each recruiter is their own brand, and then you have their company brand, and having consistent messaging across all of those brands is vital to help build that subconscious or conscious awareness of your services. And also people interact with, web, uh, with your personal brand more than they do with your company brand. Uh, and then finally, the importance of culture, both for sales and marketing, and that internal culture really is going to help drive the brand and drive growth. So uh, those are the topics. That's what we're looking to, uh, to help you guys take away. And I want to start the conversation off with, with a sales perspective and, and how all those things tie together. So Adam, if you want to kind of, and this is something we were talking about in the pre-call, focusing on the reality that you're no longer competing regionally. It's now a, a, a national thing or even a global. Yeah, I think, you know, what I think the last year has taught a lot of recruiting firms who were more traditionally brick and mortar, they're learning a new way to to sell and a new way to connect to people. And I think what it's done is as as we talk about remote workforce and people working from home, I think clients are are realizing and staffing firms are realizing that you can support any client anywhere. And I think this is creating opportunities, but as we'll talk through today, I also think it creates inherent challenges that many firms haven't really taken time to address and in, in, in the last year has really forced them to. And I think some are definitely coming out of the gates faster and they're doing some of the things that we'll be talking about today. And I think others are, are a little slower to adopt. And I hope that the, those folks, you know, take something away from this call to start thinking about things that they can be doing as, as really the industry is, is shifting. It's, it's, it's modernized. You know, technology is a big centerpiece of everything going on. It's allowing us to have these conversations. So, you know, I can talk to Jack and Darren all the time across the U.S. or in the U.K. And this is the same way when it comes to sales calls and recruitment. So really think that the world is becoming bigger. And it's also creating opportunities where you don't need to just hire a recruiter that's sitting in, in your local office, right? You have an opportunity to tap into the talent in our industry uh, really across the world. So I think those are some things that I see shifting in the conversations I'm having with customers of how to help manage that and drive change. And as we'll get into it, you know, how do you maintain that culture and engagement when you start having teams that are 
geographically dispersed. Yeah, and, and maybe Darren, you probably, from the UK perspective, are hearing a lot about this and, and, and enable it as well, right? Enable sales teams and, and recruiting teams. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest shifts for me is, you know, as we come out of this pandemic, I know we're still very much in the in the mix of it, but as we come out, people are hiring more senior recruiters for the first time. You know, it used to be grad programs in the UK. That's how, you know, that's where the new 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 blood came from, so to speak. But actually, I see more and more people looking for senior recruiters because they've got that wider net. They can actually bring on that senior talent and and trust them to work remotely. You know, it's a very different different approach to what we're seeing before and they're trusting them to build their brand remotely as well and marketing for me marketing had a difficult challenge before we went remote because you could actually walk up to people in the office and say hey we need to do this we need to do that but now they're working remotely I think actually what's been nice to see is the realization on the sales floor that they need marketing and um, before it was very much a nice to have I think now it's a must have and even though they're further apart I don't think they've ever been closer together if that makes sense very poetic there i know i'd say the world's got smaller not bigger it's, it's a very odd time right now but i'm loving it i'm loving the idea that you can jump on a video call collaborate and marketing for me has really really shown their value at a time when you can't pick up the phone and call people as much as you could before i love it and and, you, and you're allowed to wax poetic as our as our only person in the uk you can be our shakespeare and, and jack what i i know you talk to a lot of customers by the way if you have not heard of staffing future and the, the work that jack is doing over there uh, he might be the business man on the call because I can't get time on his calendar for for anything. So Jack, what do you? I, what I do you mean, it was easy, you. Rob. It was easy. I got booked in tomorrow. First, straight away. He, he must love you more than me, though. I have I have a two minute window for you every other month, Rob. Man, is it because I call you Captain Jack? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You told everyone I crashed the boat. No, you told everyone I crashed the boat. But go ahead, tell me what you've been hearing. It was about your sales. platform. You're accountable, Mark Zuckerberg. All right. <laughs> what are you hearing about sales, Jack, from, from everyone? So, yeah, I mean, I think everyone made some really good points. The, the reality is what I've seen is companies leaning a little bit more into the individual recruiter and salespeople's brands. So if you think about it, the individuals have always sold themselves, right? Especially in the UK, you used to have the, the 360 desk where people would come in, it would kind of be about me, the recruiter, and I can work your jobs and I know the best people and, and all the rest of it. And I think for a while, recruitment companies have sort of not leaned into their individual recruiters and their capacity to sell on social and other platforms. And now people are realizing that actually that's going to happen, right? The individuals are going to be all over LinkedIn. They're going to build those candidate relationships. They're going to build their client relationships. They're going to focus on the niche of the business, but they're going to focus on their own niche as well. And as a result, we're seeing companies start to sort of lean into supporting them with technology and support them with process. And that's working really effectively for them because if you do that, you help control the message. Um, you help sort of show the way for your other recruiters and salespeople to be effective on social, to be effective with their personal brands. And you also help your brand get built at the same time as the individual recruiters build their networks and, and, and it sort of goes hand in hand. So that's something that I've seen more of with, with you know, all of the platforms on this, uh, on this call, really. I mean, you know, you look at what great recruiters are doing, building the brands of the organization, but also of the individual recruiters and the same, you know, with, with Pager, where it's, it's giving people the platform they need to distribute as individuals on LinkedIn, whilst also the wider company brand as well. So I think that's really important, especially with remote and with so many individual 
not just organizations, but divisions with organizations really struggling to find that unique selling point, right? Um, that it's important to enable the, the recruiters and the salespeople to really sort of focus on, you know, what they can bring to the table and how that rolls up into the wider business. And then something that we might talk a little bit about later is, is how that also pertains to company culture and, you know, retaining your own individuals as well. And, and just to piggyback that, I think, you know, you talk about why is it important to drive these personal brands? Because let's face it, we don't, we don't work with a, a staffing firm. People follow people. People trust recruiters. People trust a salesperson. And when you're entering into new markets and you're starting to expand your operations where you're not able to meet people face-to-face because of circumstances like the pandemic or that you're just operating in a different region, you need ways to be able to create transparency and trust. If I can't meet somebody face-to-face, if we can't sit down and have a call, it's we need ways to help the sales team and the recruiters enable that digital trust. Whether it's through putting your profile pages on like the websites that you guys are building over at Staffing Future, people are going to those team pages, they wanna read, they want the personalization, to pager, being able to help build that kind of ex- experience you know, and brand by sharing articles, thoughts, insights, to making it really simple to build that to great recruiters where we're getting that third-party review data and building it into profile pages. I think all of these things come together with the, the important why is to create transparency and trust with people that we're engaging with. People need it, they deserve it, and we've been in an industry that has lacked a lot of it. And I think this has driven the industry to really, really focus on that personal brand as key drivers to to companies' growth. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you trust see, is a key. You see that a lot with SEO growth. now as well. You know, when I'm looking at people's SEO positionings, there's the stuff they're trying to position for, there's their company names. There's always some random stuff. One of our clients is number one for British Airways receipt ticket. But um, you also get surprisingly often, you know, search volume as it pertains to recruiters right not just the leadership as well you can actually see people going in and just googling darren at pager and stuff like that and you get that with a lot of recruiters that have managed to promote their own brands so you know i think it's it's becoming super relevant yeah i was about to say the trust point the trust point's really key andy moss has just literally summed out for us your recruiter is your brand right i think i always say to people they're the forefront of your business if you think about they're on the phone to your clients your candidates they're also on linkedin and they're the ones people are searching nobody really checks out company pages unless you're you know further down the pipeline you're you know maybe near decision times they're actually checking out your company page until then they're checking out the individual they're speaking to so they've got to have that strong brand and build that trust um, i think trust is a key word well and it goes back to it's not it's not finding the talent it's not finding it's, get, it's getting somebody to want to call you back right i mean that's the decision they're making they get a phone call they get a text they get an email and they're like who is this person and we need to be able to help them make a quick decision that you're a trusted person that they should call back. You know, as they're looking at their LinkedIn, their social profiles, if they're looking at the company team pages, or if they're looking at their great recruiters profile, this is all helping that, that person on the other end, make a decision that it is someone they should talk to and trust. And if they have two callbacks and they're, they're trying to figure out who to call, when you put these pieces together, the likelihood of them to call a recruiter back that is using these services is, is going to be much higher than, than somebody that, just doesn't exist and looks like a ghost on 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 the internet. Yeah, and I think that so it's interesting you say like looking like a ghost is not the way to be right now, right? If you didn't post a blog post to your company page, or if you're not posting on LinkedIn, right? It's it's like are you still a business? Are you still doing what you claim to do? So I think that's super interesting. Let me let me ask you this, guys. 
if you were, if you, you know, talking still about sales, put your sales hat on. I know we all do it or recruiting kind of in the same vein. What is one, you know, without, without mentioning a product, what is one piece of advice you would give to a, a staffing owner or a recruiter about, or maybe a leader, let's focus on the leader. What piece of advice would you give them about improving sales, right? Based on those topics that we're talking about. And Jack, I'll go to you first, since I didn't tell you I was gonna ask this question. <laughs> That's fine. So yeah, I think, I think perhaps looking at multiple touch points is a big one. You know, I think a lot of the leadership in organizations, including myself, and also with the 30 to 40 year old uh, podcast team here today, but a lot of people grew up in the world of like banging out cold calls, right? So you've got that funnel of, oh, this many activities here leads to this many activities here, leads to this many activities here. And people go, oh, you make phone calls and you do emails and stuff. And I think everyone knows that we're a little beyond that now. But by the same token, I think building a sales process around really being thoughtful around your prospects, who you're trying to target, how you're trying to build that engagement and having as many different touch points as possible is just very, very relevant now. You see in um, some of the other industries that we're sort of half in, right? So we're sort of half in staff, a lot of us guys and half in staffing. A lot of the sort of true staff industry, people selling the Salesforce platform and stuff like that, have had to do this for, for 10 years because people just weren't answering the phones. We've been lucky with recruiters that, you know, they're used to living and breathing on the phone. They're used to answering phone calls. They're used to talking to people and not sort of hiding behind. And now I think people are realizing if I want to build a relationship and target with a specific company, I don't just need to research that company. I need to research the individuals in their company. I need to find out what they're talking about. I want to see if they're posting anything, if they're attending anything. I need to email them. I need to call them. I need to be strategic in what I'm saying. I need to recognize that I emailed them when I called them. I need to connect with them on LinkedIn. I need to post content that's relevant. I might want to comment on some of their posts. You know, that there's a whole different sort of methodology between before where it's like hey do you want to buy this thing right now and now where it's much more subtle sort of going i'm here i want to build a relationship with you because we're in the same space i have some interesting things to say you know if you'd like to engage and build a relationship over time that would be great and i think we recognize that on the marketing side as a brand but i think sales people and sales processes struggle to be intentional about the way that they do that and i think those those guys that find it naturally have success with it but organizations really struggle to put that into a process yeah i think i think what you're describing is account-based marketing right which is which is <laughs> enacted not much by marketing and, and pushing out blog posts to or and sending emails to relevant uh, stakeholders in a, in a prospect it's different sales team members whether it's like a vp of sales or the direct salesperson interacting with their with like with different parts of the brand that they're trying to sell to and building awareness influencing that and then also creating the the demand right like creating the interest and curiosity with it so uh abm guys if you haven't checked out abm account-based marketing it's it's definitely what jack was talking about and and a, and a good way to kind of start to think about how to break into maybe larger accounts or more specific accounts that you are looking to prospect into Adam, you have them? It looks like you're ready. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of it is we have a consumer mindset now, right? We want to have control of our buying journey. We want to be able to research. I mean, think about when you buy any products or services, you're Googling it, you're reading about it, you're going to the website, you're reading the reviews. And so I think to help enable your sales teams, you need to make sure that you are, and I just keep going back to it, creating transparency. You know, transparency leads to trust. People want to make those buying decisions and they want to know that they're working with somebody that they can trust. And so 
I think Jackie hit it. I think a lot of firms have the best intentions, which is just a mindset. But I think the ones that are growing fastest are extremely intentional, right? They're taking action. They're doing the things. They're taking their best intentions. And they're actually doing the the things that are going to help drive things forward by creating transparency on the website, making sure that you're giving them all the information that they would want. If somebody feels like they're being sold to or being kind of like boxed in, they don't want it. You know, they want to have, bring that consumer mindset like we have with our own shopping experiences online but through their everyday life and business. Yeah. So, and that, and that really, the fo focus of that is like inbound, right? Like they, they're so educated about what they want to buy before they, before they request the demo or request to be contacted by sales that they're basically 75, 80% through the process, which you can also apply to your recruiters, right? Like we're saying sales, but it, it, it's interchangeable with recruiting at this point, right? Like if you can create a recruiter brand, and we go back to this recruiter brand, right? That's so strong. And I'll let Darren talk about this too, because this is what he does. That's so strong and so transparent about their successes, what they serve, you know, you know without being, braggadocious like how many placements they've made what they normally place right like that could be that could get a, a candidate all the way through to just reaching out to jack or adam and just or darren and just saying hey i've seen what you've done i think it's in line with what i'm trying where, where i'm trying to go let's chat like that's the inbound methodology for a recruiter right like but how do you create that whole picture and darren do you want to add to that now that i kind of teed, teed up personal branding a little bit yeah definitely one, one point on the original original question about what would you say to a leader is for me, most recruitment business leaders are ex-recruiters. So any, as any business owner, you tend to do the things you know. So for me as a tech guy, you know, I'm quite happy to get involved in the tech side, but sometimes if, if it's just difficult sales conversations there, I might shy away from it when actually I should be jumping in with two feet, right? So my, my biggest advice is to not just see marketing as a tick box where you've hired marketing and now they're responsible for it. You need to actually stay involved, support them, give them budget and see them as a a revenue center, not a cost center. So that's my biggest piece of advice is don't shy away from the things you don't know. You're ultimately responsible for it, it's your business. But in terms of the personal brand, I think it's uh, it's a really interesting thing because we call it the Eureka moment when somebody brings on pager, right? So when you've, you've got a room of say 20 recruiters, you've always got two or three people that are big on LinkedIn already. They completely get it, they've been through the journey. You've got your typical top filler that's like, that's not for me, I don't need that. Uh, and you've got people in the middle and at the bottom. And it's the eureka moment when you see people start to share content online, when you start to see them having conversations with people that ignored their email messages, that didn't return their phone calls. And actually they get that, that message on LinkedIn that says, hey, I know you tried to reach out to me before, but now is the time is right. And they know they wouldn't have got that message if they didn't do it. So we call it the eureka moment when you realize that personal brand is a thing, but it's normally around six months into the journey, right? So it's not, it's not gonna happen overnight and consistency is the key. So that's where it comes back to my original point of your CEO being on board, because we're actually gonna ask you now to do activity that you're not gonna see a return on for you know three to six months. But when you do see it, it's gonna be the best feeling in the whole wide world because you've done all of this content, you've actually built up these relationships, built up the trust, the transparency, and then business starts to come to you. And we all know that when conversations come to you, they're much easier to close, frankly. You know, they, they've come to you for a reason, they trust you already, you're always, halfway down the pipeline at, at that point. So it's literally as long as you solve a need for them, that's where it is. And the only way to do that is by building your personal brand, but stick with it and you'll have that eureka moment uh, as we call it internally. I like that. I think that's, you know, it, it's it's definitely an investment and it's, it's 
contrary to something that Adam and I talk a lot about being transactional, right? And if you think about your funnel, whether it's recruiting or sales, and I say this a lot, it's like you need your leads, right? That kind of come in quickly, that have done the research. Then you have that that nurturing and and the, and the LinkedIn content and building a personal brand is kind of that that nurturing part of it that's going to pay the long term funnel, like things coming into the long term funnel, and then you're you know you're you're continuing to to build with short term leads and and some transactional things that you build a relationship with after maybe you place them or after you get their first job order, right? Because you're always going to have things that happen really fast. Not every candidate you place, unless you did it, in, like unless you were very intentional and saying, I'm not gonna place a candidate until I've known him for three months. Like you could do that, but for the most part, you're always gonna have a mix of highly transactional things that you should build a relationship with afterwards. And then things that you've built, the you know, people you've built the relationship with or, or companies that you've built the relationship with to sell to, so. Yeah, I actually think it's more about repeat business. So I always say to people, look, if you place somebody today, what reason do they have to even stay connected to you? You know, if all you're doing is sharing the jobs you've got on, you've already solved that problem. They've got a new job. They're not looking for a job right now. So if you can share mm -hmm. valuable content, maintain that relationship, the next time they have a bad day at work, you know, hopefully in the future, a commute might be dodgy, who knows? But, you know, fast forward a year, what reason do they have to go back to you rather than indeed.com and go with one of your competitors? And the only way you do that is by maintaining that relationship. But you, we both know, you know, if you make 100 placements in a year, you're not going to maintain 100 relationships over the phone. The only way you can do that is through social. Yeah. So that's what I always say to people. Social and automation. Go ahead, Adam. And, you know, from an experience standpoint, from my own personal experiences, some of my best referral sources and future hiring managers were people I never placed, right? But it's about building that relationship and creating a great experience. So, you know, the people you place, definitely they're going to, you want to, you want to stay connected, but it's also the expanding your network because let's say it, everybody talks, we hear it all the time. Hey, I'm looking to find a great recruiter. Do you know any great recruiters? Where can I find, you know, people want to get connected to people who are going to treat them well and, and help them be successful. So even if you don't successfully place somebody, you know, creating that experience with them and staying connected and nurturing them, you want to stay top of mind for when they're looking for the next job, right? Maybe they become a hiring manager or maybe their, their friend is looking for work or their coworker and they're like, who would you recommend? If you're not staying top of mind in front of them and staying connected, they're probably going to go to the, the last person that contacted them. So maintaining that relationship, I think, is is huge. And technology obviously makes it a lot easier than managing your your old Rolodex and having to make all those phone calls. So I think the the opportunity recruiting is a long term game. To your to your point, Rob, it's not transactional. The recruiters that burn out in a year to two years are the ones that probably are in a very high transaction, low value type of environment. And recruiting is a long-term game, right? So you need to start building those relationships and it should get easier over time because you're building that trusted network of people that trust you as a, as a professional, whether it be sales or, or recruitment. Yeah, I love it. And, and I totally agree. And I think, I think maybe we'll transition from there to talking about building internal culture because I think that's what you're talking about, Adam. But before that, Andrew, uh, I love in the SaaS world, there's always this conversation for the past three, three to five years of it, where marketing and sales work together. They should work together anyway, marketing, sales, recruitment in our industry. They're not, they're all revenue centers, right? Like this, this disassociated thing between marketing and sales and recruiting is not real. You know, there are CROs who are the head of marketing and sales, and there are CMOs who are the head of sales and marketing in SaaS and large SaaS companies. 
And it's because they're both, to your point and what Darren said, they're both revenue centers and not cost centers, right? But unfortunately, we saw what, what, what staffing and recruiting people think about marketing because a lot of them were the first people laid off last year. So hopefully we can start to, this is something that the SaaS world and, and, and I think a lot of other businesses understand already. And, and it's hopefully staffing will get, will get to that sooner because we see the benefit, you know, I see the benefit when I'm working with other SaaS companies or talking to them of having that set up. Anyway, all right, let's talk about building culture to drive brand. And then we'll talk about personal brand and consistent messaging, because I think those, I think the culture comes before the, the messaging or at least internal messaging comes before the external, right? And so, uh, what you know, let's go, Jack, we'll go to you to start, or Darren, we haven't gone to you to start yet. So we'll go to Darren to start, but like, what are you, maybe what are you doing in pager even, right? to make sure that the culture is good so that the message, and you guys do a really great job of this, which I'm probably good to ask you first, to make sure that everyone is having the best experience with Pager and they're all pushing the same message and, and, and going towards the same North Star, right? And then Adam, well, I'll go to you next because you've done this for a staffing company too. So, Yeah, I mean, it starts with the, the very first day they start with Pager. They get a, an email from me that subject line is challenge everything, do more. And that's literally our mantra internally. So if you see anything that you think can be improved, you need to voice it and you know you're never going to get in trouble for voicing something even if it's something that i'm doing because we challenge everything and by do more it means go the extra mile you know if you're if you're dealing with a customer and they ask a simple question you could reply with you know some simple text instructions but actually what i want you to do is hop onto your laptop go to loom record a quick video talk to them by name tell them how to do it and send it over to them if you can do more do that so that's literally the first thing they receive when they walk through the door and it enables them to know they're trusted, number one. You know, we trust them straight out of the gate because if they can challenge everything, they're going to come in and we respect their ideas and we want their ideas. And the do more means, you know, how can we actually be better than, than what we are right now? So that then translates into pretty much everything we do. So think about the way we do social. You've got trust. You know, if you want to launch a podcast, we're going to support you with that. Yes, you might fail at some things. That's fine. You know, you've got to try these things and fail at them. So pretty much half of our sales team have got their own podcast, which then feeds the content for marketing. And that's straight out of the gate. And then the other bit really is, it, so, it sounds really simple, but everybody is in sales and everybody is in marketing. So we've kind of hammered that home. That's, you know, it's even if you're a customer success manager, you, we still expect you to have a personal brand. You know, if you're um, a tech guy, we still expect you to know that sales numbers this month. You need to care about every single bit of the business because we're one ship going forward. And yeah, I guess it literally comes down to that trust piece. I know I keep saying that word, but once you give people trust internally, you'll see that go externally as well. Um, and challenge everything, do more is my favorite, my favorite mantra we've ever had. I love that. I think that's great. And, and it kind of sets the tone for the brand. And, and have you, do you have any, you know, not to put it darkly on the spot. So if you don't have any offhand or anecdotal wins from that, you know, if you have one, that'd be great. I'm sure you do, but I don't want to put you on the spot too much. Like we, we change processes so much. You know, we're, I guess we're now classed as a scale up apparently. That's what I've been told externally. But what that, what that means is as every time, every time comes on, comes in, every single thing gets improved slightly from, you know, the way we use the CRM all the way through to the website navigation. It's, it's so, there's so many wins from that, that mentality. The biggest one, the biggest change we've made, I think, is actually the way we demo the product. I know it sounds really straightforward, but you know, uh, we brought in a customer engagement manager um, recently, a lady called Lisa, who's had 16 years as a recruiter. Uh, and she sat through her onboarding and went, 
yeah, but that's not how I'd use it. I'd use the product in this way. And we're like, well, you've actually been a recruiter, right? I'm the tech guy that you know thinks I know recruiting. You've been a recruiter. So we took that on board and actually it's been uh, fantastic. So just listening to everyone as they come in, but that's been the biggest change recently. Um, so shout out to Lisa if you're here. I love, no, I love that. I love, I love the listening piece. I love all of it. And you know, you're the expert of what you're the expert of. And you know, Darren, Darren built the APIs between built the, the workflow between great recruiters and pager in a morning uh, because he woke up early. So he's clearly very technical. Um, Adam, go, go ahead. Yeah, I think culture is, is interesting. And, and, the, and the concept of what we're talking about here, I, I think, you know, to, to lead in is talking about one of the myths. And, and I think this myth leads to the culture of an organization. You know, I still hear firms that don't want to support personal brands. I think more and more are realizing the benefit outweighs the risk. But I always hear my people are going to get poached that, you know, they're going to take my best people. And I think that's a culture of fear. And I think when you have a culture of fear and you're worried about the, the bad outcomes, it really stunts your opportunity for the, growth opportun for, the, for the growth of the company and the growth of your people. And so if you're operating out of that, you know, a lot of people talk about what their culture is, but culture is not, it's not words, it's actions. So I love to hear what Darren's saying, like those are actionable things that people are doing. You almost don't have to talk about what the culture is because people feel it. People feel the actions, they feel the behaviors. And if you're hiring to, and I'm a big proponent of this, hiring to core values. You know, if you hire the right people, you can give them a heck of a lot of freedom. I mean, I look at myself, like when Rob came on, I, I love the fact that Rob is building his personal brand. I love the fact that he's doing other things and it's not just about great recruiters because it's allowing him to exercise other muscles that are only gonna make our team even better. And we become, better as Rob's come in with the social piece, with becoming more engaged and really helping to empower other teammates to drive that, that personal brand. And I think when you, when you talk about what we're covering today, it comes down to the type of culture you have as an organization. So actions definitely speak louder than words. I know that sounds a little cliche, but when you really step back and observe what kind of culture are you communicating for your team, especially now that we've gone uh, to this remote world, I'm hearing some people are now forcing everybody back in. But recruiters are saying, wait a minute, I've been just as productive. I've, I have more flexibility. I haven't lost a step on my performance. So, you know, just be conscious of those changes. The other pieces I love is, is just is getting your team involved in building that culture and increasing that engagement. You have to find new ways to keep people engaged, especially if they're not able to be right there. I loved our Friday mornings. We brought the whole team together. We talked about our successes. You lose a little bit of that. You lose the, when somebody gets that placement next to you in the cube next by and you're given the high five, you miss that. So you need to find other ways to celebrate uh, successes on a, on a, I think on a more iterative basis to maintain a, a culture of engagement if that's what you're looking to accomplish. Yeah, I, I, and I, and one of the things we're still I'm still trying to get, and we we haven't just put any effort into it, is the, the the customer win channel in Slack, right, or in Teams, where you could all high five each other if you were in the office or ring the gong when you made a seal or made a, a placement or or sold a deal or got a new customer. But now it's you know, and this is something that we did at Bullhorn, we did at Herefish, we did at Able. It's that Slack channel that's customer wins, right? Darren, do you have one of those? 
you know, we don't we put it in the general channel because I think everyone should know about it. So if something uh, good happens, everyone is getting customer wins. Together. It's just a different, like an uncluttered <laughs> version of it. But yeah, everyone's uh, in there as well. Like everyone in the company. So like in Bullhorn, as you can imagine, that was a, a crazy channel. When, yeah, when the big bet. deal one, it was just, you know, like everyone from Art down, Art Pappas down was commenting on a good win. So that, that's a that's a kind of a, a concrete example of taking the gong and making it making it virtual, right? So, all right, Jack, what do you, what do you got for us on culture? Yeah, so I think some really good points that are made there. I, I, I think Darren covered it off as well, pretty well from, from our point of view, right? We come from the same school of, of, of culture, which was, you know, brought being under Kelly and Dan. And, you know, we managed to build a, a really great sort of company ethos there where everyone felt like they owned the business almost right everyone really felt like broadbean belonged to them and it was part of them and i still hear the, the phrase you know bleed green and stuff like that that you don't you don't normally get referenced when people work for organizations and i, I think so much of sort of company culture is is about just positive momentum within the organization if you can make sure that your staff are happy and they feel like they're taken care of and they're given opportunities and you know you're all pulling in the same direction and some of that is done in an, maybe an unintentional way it's just the ethos of the organization then people really believe in the brand and then that flows out to the customers and the customers have a great experience and the employees want them to have a great experience right they want uh, candidates that are not a good fit to still walk away with a smile on their face, feeling like they've been helped. They want, you know, customers where maybe they didn't win the deal or, you know, the opportunity didn't go as well as better. They want to you know, have that feeling of, okay, well, that organization is still trying to help. They're still trying to pull in the right direction. And if you can get that within your organization, I think the culture sort of naturally, you know, really, really builds itself. It almost comes back down to, you know, the concept of team, right? You see, you see it in sports. People want the team to win. It's not just about themselves as an individual. You know, it's not about them scoring or whatever. It's about, you know, we're, we're all, you know, part of the same direction that we're pulling in, whether we're on the bench or whether we're in the stands or whether we're the fans or whatever. And then you see sometimes when teams have a bit of a negative experience, they're down and out and everyone's terrified of the ball and no one really wants it and everyone's fed up. Sorry, maybe this might just be relevant to me being a Fulham fan and I was being relegated before the season's even it's, half it's over. Always, but, it's um... always a soccer <laughs> reference or, or football reference with Jack. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just one of those things where if you, I, I think companies don't realise that they have that. And I've seen the best and the worst of it in a lot of organisations. And you see it all the time. You know, if you're not in recruitment, if you're not in sales, if you don't get commission, if you don't get team commission, like, why should you care? If, if the organization's doing well, right? You're already working your ass off. You might probably on a fixed salary. You're putting in extra hours. And all the organization's doing is sort of take, 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 and there's sort of nothing in it for you. And I'm expected to go and get all, you know, excited about what's going on in the Slack channel. But if you're treated the right way and you really feel like you're part of something, of course you do. So I think, I think so much of it is about just really looking after your internal staff, what's right for them, and, and making sure that everyone's sort of on, on board the good ship, right? And then that will naturally flow through to your customers and it will flow through in the way that people, you know, talk to each other, even, even just in terms of, you know, the, the way we, we're feeling, you know, we're expanding in the UK, right? And some of my graphics design team and some of my support team don't want to be getting up at 5.30 in the morning for calls every single day. And we recognize that, right? And we recognize they're not going to be putting their best foot forward if they happen to get up at 5.30 in the morning 
to talk to customers that have already been awake for seven hours and they're just trying to figure out what's going on. So, you know, we're not just taking steps to expand out there because the customers need it or whatever. We're also doing that because we realize it's maybe not fair on our staff and, and they're not you know necessarily going to do the best job. So I think there's, there's a lot that, you know, you can look at. But if you just have the mantra of really caring about the people that work for you like, and, and want to make sure they have a great experience, that's step one. And the rest of it just follows through pretty naturally, I think. You know, Jack, you mentioned something that I thought uh, reminded me of a, a customer I just spoken to. And one of the ways that they're they're doing engagement is they share reviews that their recruiters get with the entire organization. And I think a lot of times, and I experienced this myself, operations sometimes doesn't feel connected because it's sales and marketing, making the wins. And you have this whole amazing group who's doing so much behind the scenes after the placement to making sure paychecks are, are cut, making sure benefits are enrolled, making sure there's support. And I think a lot of times my experience is operations sometimes gets a little left behind. And so I, I do agree they need to feel and, and recognize as, as just as valued in the organization as your people on the front lines, you know, closing the business. And one customer said, They've, they've, they've improved their company culture and engagement across departments by simply sharing all the great things people are saying about the recruitment team. And she said, our, our operations, they're proud. They're proud to be part of an organization mm -hmm. that has such an amazing recruiting team. There's a sense of pride that comes along with it. And it was just a piece that was missing. It wasn't intentional. It was just, you know, sales and recruiting, we celebrate here, but it should be organizational celebrations and engagement on the flip side, you know, getting feedback on that operation side. And when they're doing a great job should be shared up front, right? Because that gives recruiters confidence that once I make a placement, I've got a team behind me and this is a talk track. Like they're going to take care of you. I'm always here, but you've got a great team that's going to support you on your journey with our organization. So definitely having that 360 view of how everybody's doing and being able to share those wins, I think just boosts up the culture and engagement totally. Yeah, I think I think that's more important going back to it for something that's remote, like making sure that you can share wins across. Because, and another thing too is like treating people like owners and treating them, number one, treating them like humans, but, but treating them like owners because you know, they're working for your business and you know, if they're engaged, like being an owner means you're engaged, you're thinking about the business, right? If they're checking out at 5 p.m. and not thinking about the business, that's not the right, you know, that's not an innovative and an adaptive culture that's gonna drive. Like if everyone's trying to row the boat this way and one person's jumping off right at 5 p.m., you know, they don't have to be obsessed, but they, they need to care, right? And I yeah. think that, that an ownership um... helps, helps them care. There's a guy called Kerwin Ray who calls it talent versus employees. You know, have you got someone, have someone that's talent or have you got an employee? But also, I think, I think it works both ways. Right? You, you need to remember when you were an employee. One of the best things we did recently, it was Mental Health Awareness Week last week. So I booked Friday afternoons, everyone's calendar for mandatory GDPR training. They thought they were in four hours worth of training, but instead we just sent them home. So it's little things like that because we spoke, we spoke internally, like, what should we do? Should we get an Olympian to tell everyone you know, how to be inspired? And I said, you know what? I remember sitting in those meetings thinking, if you really cared about my mental health, you just let me go early. So that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do those motivational things early in the morning. <laughs> and yeah, then, and you and make then, a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I, and I think that is, the, it's like always putting yourself in that shoe, right? If you're the recruiter, put yourself in the candidate shoe. If you're the salesperson, put yourself in the prospect shoe. If you're the leader, put yourself in the, in, you know, and vice versa, right? Like if you're an employee, put yourself in the, in the owner's shoe and try and work with the human and where they are. So 
Well, they're, they're relationships, right? And relationships are a two-way street. So, no. you know, I think that I think that's what people forget, right? If you you want people to care about your organization, you want that talent to feel like it's important. Well, you've got to you've got to work for that as well, right? They've got to feel like they belong. They've got to feel like it's something that you're working on together. So, all right. We don't have any questions in the queue, but we do have a whole other topic. So we'll, we'll go and if there's any questions, guys, throw them in. But Darren, maybe you want to just jump in and, and, and talk about consistent messaging across a personal brand for a couple couple minutes and then we'll leave about five minutes for questions. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is to realize that when we say brand these days, we're not um, just talking about company. If you think for a long time, if you said brand marketing, uh, that literally meant the company. So when I say consistent messaging, if you are going to be doing white papers, if you're going to be getting reviews, you do want them branded and you want that consistent to be across everybody's profiles. But it's about that. It is that word consistency again. So if you're going to embrace personal branding, you want to you want to be consistent with it. So I'm not saying you need to post every single day, but commit to twice a week on LinkedIn. You know, commit to once a week on Twitter. You need to just commit to it and actually stick to it because then you're going to see the results. And realize that when you say the word brand, it's everything you do. And you know, marketing can have a role to play in your personal brand as well. You still need to share your company content um, alongside what you do. So come up with a content plan. I know it sounds sounds strange, you know, if you're not in marketing to have a content plan, but you should. It doesn't need to be anything complex. You know, you can even write it down on a piece of paper if you need to. But what are you going to put out on a Monday or Wednesday? And if you can, incorporate a weekend as well, because let me tell you, your competitors aren't all active on the weekend. So if you are, anybody that's looking for a new role is going to come to you. Anybody that is actually a hire manager or a business owner that's active on LinkedIn on a Sunday night, as I am, you can judge me all you want, but that's what I do. That's when your opportune moment is. So have a content plan, be consistent, um, and embrace everything about your brand, whether that's personal or company. That's my uh, few minutes for you there, Rob. Oh, perfect. Anything from the other gents they want to add? I always say if it's a great experience, Darren's awesome. If it's a bad experience, I blame the company, <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's the way it goes. I mean, you have a great experience, like that person was awesome, bad experience, it's, it falls on the brand. I mean, I think that's the importance of it. And I think that's the importance of, of empowering your, your people to have a positive brand. And, and obviously what we do in, is measuring it and making sure that, as Jack said, everybody's always putting their best foot forward, even if it's 5.30 in the morning. You want to make sure that you're driving that great experience because if, if, it's, a, if it's not a great experience, if it's, if it's poor, they're going to they're gonna hold your brand accountable, not necessarily that individual. And they're going to tell their friends about it. I mean, that's the reality. We share, if we're not asked, we share a lot more of our negative experiences because we want to get it off our chest. So that, that, that's my take on the matter. Do you think, do you think that's because we, like, we, we celebrate the individual for the wins and then the company for the loss. Do we think that that's because we, uh, we blame the culture for allowing that to happen of the organization? Yeah, I think the organization's responsible for the employees that they have. And so if you had a bad experience at a car dealership, you'd like, I'm never going to that car dealership again. You're not saying, if I go to this car dealership, I'm going to work, I'm not going to work with that person, right? You're going to mm -hmm. say, I'm never going to that place again. And I think staffing is commoditized in a sense that there's a lot of job orders, there's a lot of opportunity. Candidates have choices, right? Candidates have choices who to work with. Clients have more choices than ever who to work with. Why wouldn't you want to work? with somebody who's going to drive a great experience and create a, a great outcome, right? I mean, before, if, if you just had, if, if it wasn't a commoditized space, you, you'd be forced to like, that's where experiences are bad because you have no other choice. If you're looking for an actuary, there's only a few places you're going to get an actuary. So I don't know what the experience is, but I know when I looked for one, 
there were two places that you looked for an actuary. But when you're filling roles similar to competitors, the experience matters so much more. And I think the 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 the, the younger generations they want cool experiences. They want to feel. They want that feedback. They want to know what's going on. But if it's bad, I'm never going to that place again. And so I just think that's human nature. And I think that's I think what you're talking about too is is tying in the website and tying in social, right? So, you know, cool experiences start at at the your front door of your brand, the brick and mortar virtual version of your brand is your website. So if that sucks, the first thing someone's going to experience is a sucky experience at the first time they interact with you. And if they're on social, right, then you're on, then you're looking at how that person's or, or that company and that group of people are showing up on social, right? Like Darren, I can tell you his company does a great job of being aware of like, key things like mental health awareness. That was a great, like, Everyone on Pager was so on board talking about it last week. It was great to see on social channels. And then if you don't, if you have good people and you're not celebrating and showing them off, right? Like there's so much, there's only so much you can do. So guys, this has been been great. Uh, I appreciate all of you and especially Jack for putting up with me and my nonsense towards him <laughs> at all times. And, and, and just so you guys know, if you, if you have, if you found anything valuable, the cool thing about Crowdcast before we go is... There's a little button that says clip moment. So attendees and panelists can clip key moments and share them. So any anything that you found interesting, it's about 15 seconds you get. So check that out, it's on the bottom. It should be on the bottom. And then again, this will be available on demand. I'm gonna timestamp it on the topics and send out an email. And if you guys can subscribe to the podcast, the button that's just, you know, it says subscribe, it's in green. That would be great. And we are giving away those five $100 donations. So closing remarks and where, the, where can they find you guys real quick? You got a minute each. Uh, we'll start with Jack. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me at jack at staffingfuture.com or www.staffingfuture.com. Shouldn't be too hard. And Jack is in demand, so make sure you do it. If you want Jack's attention, you better do it early. Get that man now. When Aaron, you click my calendar link and see that it's wide open for months, don't tell Rob, yeah? <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. <laughs> Darren. You can, you can also find Jack on YouTube acting like a, a dinosaur, but I'll let you find out. Oh, God. I showed, my, I showed my wife that, Darren, and she she loves Jack even more now. Anyway. Just a little trick on personal brand. Be careful what you put out on the internet. Jack <laughs> makes a great... I follow you around for years. Jack makes a great velociraptor. All right, Darren, go. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Darren Westall, or Darren at Pager, P-A-I-G-E-R, because we have to put the AI in there.co.co. Darren at Pager.co. Got it. And Mr. Conrad. Yeah, I mean, go to greatrecruiters.com. You can reach me at Adam at greatrecruiters.com. You can schedule time with me at calendly.com slash greatrecruiters. So, and um, Adam and I are going live in literally 30 minutes to talk about being <laughs> a genuine recruiter. <laughs> Well, we're talking about the, the first of the great traits being genuine. So we're excited about it. So see us on LinkedIn if you can't get enough of these two guys. Anyway, thank you guys. I thank everyone for, uh, for tuning in. Thank you again for tuning in. And remember to follow us on your social channels. This has been a production of the You Own the Experience